Welcome to Stories of Faith and Hope, the podcast that inspires your faith and gives you reason to hope. I'm your host, Joel Sutherland. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We have something special in store for you. We are doing something for the first time on this podcast, and that is going back into the archives and letting you listen to an old episode back before the podcast even started when it was a um when it was just a radio program and Pastor Schomburg and, and Dr. Henderson were hosting, they had quite a few really good episodes. And I wanted to go back into the archive and, and pull one out for this week and next week as a two-part series um, where they interviewed Dr. Jack Blanco. And uh, he has such an inspirational story, and I cannot wait for you to hear it. He was, um, well, I'm just not going to spoil it. Um, here it is. Dr. Norman Henderson and Pastor Lloyd Schomburg's interview with Dr. Jack Blanco. Dr. Jack Blanco is a survivor of near starvation and brutal treatment. When during World War II, at 14 years of age, he was forced to work in three Nazi labor camps. In Germany. If you, dear listener, want to read the book on his life, just go to Amazon.com and type in the title Jack, An Incredible Life. Again, the title is Jack, An Incredible Life. Here now is part one of my phone interview with Dr. Jack Blanco. I'm on the phone with Dr. Jack Blanco, who is retired as a teacher, professor, missionary, one of my teachers, and friend. So welcome to the program. Where were you when Pearl Harbor was bombed? Oh, where was I when Pearl Harbor was bombed? I was in Germany. <laughs> <laughs> you were probably around 12 years old? Oh, uh, yeah, about that, uh-huh. But let me go back, if I may, and uh, share with you uh, some of God's miracles in my life. Yes, please and, do. Uh, so uh, I thought uh, you should mention one uh, miracle. I was born in Chicago of uh, immigrant parents from Germany. My father was from Austria, Vienna, Austria. He left my mother and me, and so my mother had to put me out to babysitters while she was working there and full-time in Chicago. Anyway, when I was about, uh, oh, I don't know, a year and a half or two years old, one babysitter was up on the third floor, an apartment with uh, stairs going up on the back of the uh, apartment building to the third floor. And they, uh, well, they were kind of abusive, and I don't want to get into all that. They sort of neglected me. One day I fell off that third-story balcony. Wow. And down three stories and, and hit the ground. Fortunately, not the cement, but the, the lawn in the back. And I was unconscious for uh, a number of days. And I just praised the Lord. He blessed. Nothing serious happened. And that I came out of the coma and uh, seemed to be okay. I just praised the Lord for the miracle in my young life. Amen. I could have killed you. You could have had serious brain damage. Yes. As later on in your life, you experienced some uh, battles in labor camp, Nazi labor camp, where you could have had brain damage forever, too. Yeah, well, you know, that uh, takes us to the next phase, and that is uh, my mother uh, alone now with me, and 
Uh, when I was about nine, ten years old, she said, well, let's go back and I want to see my parents, your grandparents, introduce you to them. They lived in a little village in Bavaria on the farm. And so we went over there and oh boy, that was a little different than living in Chicago. Wow, the sky was blue. <laughs> and clouds, and what do you know, not just skyscrapers. And the plan was for us to stay there a couple of weeks. My mother had saved up vacation time. And so when it was time to go back, he looked at my mother and looked at me, skinny kid, and said, you know, I think he needs some sunshine and, and some exercise. And I love the animals there and all that. And he says, well, why don't you keep him out of school for a year? My mother said, okay. We went on, a, on an ox cart to go on the train to the next town. And then it was time to say goodbye to my mother, and oh, then it hit me. I, I, you know, she was the only one in the world that I knew who loved me. And so I just held on to her and held on to her. My grandparents had to pry my fingers away from her, and she got on the train and waved goodbye, and oh, my word, it was just like my heart was tied to her heart with a rubber band, and oh, boy, the pain that I felt. Oh, emotional pain. I didn't want to eat for three days. Well, anyway, uh, so, uh, you know, I was going to stay there a year, uh, learn the German language and all that, and then just about the time I was ready to come back to the States, uh, World War II broke out. A couple of years went by, I just went to school there. In that little uh, village, they only had six grades of education, something like that. And so uh, I wanted to go on to school, and my grandfather said, well, you'll have to go to the next town quite a ways away, but I'm not going to hold you back. I filled out papers, and your name, and where were you born, uh, Chicago, and all that. I sent the papers in, and then in about a month, I got notice, yeah, okay, you've been accepted for further education, and uh, please come to Berlin. Oh, my word. So anyway, got uh, on the ox cart again and went to the next town, got on the train, and headed for Berlin. When I got there, they said, well, you got to go to this other little town, Königs Wisterhausen. Okay, and so I got on the train to go out there, and uh, people kept getting off, getting off, getting off. And, man, I think I was the only one in that train car. And when I got off, there was a man uh, waiting for me, and he had a uh, brown shirt on and a swastika armband and a visor cap and long black boots. He says, use your name so-and-so, yeah, okay. And uh, he says, come follow me. You're beginning to yeah. realize uh, you've been tricked. Oh, absolutely, yeah. See, because at that time, I, I had my mother's maiden name just before I was born. My father had left us, so I had my mother's maiden name, which was German, which was Kiesling. Well, to jump ahead, years later, after the World War, I was gone for about eight years, and when I came back, my mother had married somebody uh, whose parents had come from Spain. His name was Blanco. My mother said, uh, are you willing to change your name? I said, anything. I mean, uh, don't be back home free. Oh, my word. So glad <laughs> to be back in America. Absolutely. And uh, so I changed my name. That's how I got the name Blanco. Anyway, yeah, I was tricked uh, in the labor camp, and uh, yeah, I was in three labor camps, uh, one right outside of Berlin, Königswusterhausen, and then in another one in Leipzig, and then in another one in Maintenance, you remember, yeah. The labor camp, you slept on some straw ticks. Were they nice and soft and comfortable like you'd had with your grandparents? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Tell me another 
story. Let me get a clarification to the audience. See, there's a labor camp, and during World War II, the Japanese people here in the United States, they were put in what they call labor camp. And labor camps simply restrict your movement, restrict your mobility. You can't go anywhere. Right. But then there's also the slave labor camp. And then the concentration camp, and the slave labor camp is the same as the concentration camp in one sense. In one sense, it's different. Put you in concentration camp, of course, to eventually gas you, right? Yes. And, and eliminate you. Well, the labor camp, the goal is the same, but the process is different. In other words, uh, they work you to death. When you collapse, they carry you out, and that's the end. And now, when I was in labor camps, yeah, I've seen them collapse, and they carry them out. And what we did in labor camp, we were working, doing all kinds of work to provide ammunition and military equipment for the German army. But anyway, do you remember the American bombers bombing? Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, away from Berlin, there near Berlin. Yeah, we had to build uh, bunkers like a cellar. When the American bombers came, they would call us and have us go into those bunkers. I remember one time the American bombers had just unloaded their loads, and there was a lone bomber that had gotten away from the group, and he was trying to catch up with the group and trying to get rid of his bombs as fast as he could. And so he dropped them, you know, one and one and one. And they were evenly spaced as he dropped them, I guess because of the mechanism in the plane that dropped them methodically. And they were getting closer and closer. Oh, I tell you, that, I mean, it shook the earth. Then when it was quiet, we all got out and uh, we were asked to measure the uh, droppings of the bombs and how they were evenly spaced. And one more bomb would have been a direct hit on our bunker, and I wouldn't be here. Wow. So, yeah, another miracle. You know, we pray the Lord. Absolutely. And then later on, I was transferred from the place right there outside of Berlin. Well, it was quite a ways outside of Berlin. But transferred from there to Leipzig. Leipzig was uh, quite the uh, slave labor camp. Is that where you were uh, forced to box? That was in Königswisterhausen, Berlinia. That's when uh, boxing was the in thing, you know, in the late 1939, 1940, 41, whatever. Joe Lewis was a great boxer. He defeated the German heavyweight champion, Max Schmeling. And so, oh yeah, boxing was the end thing. To have some diversion in the camp and whatever, uh, the commander decided to have some boxing. Obviously, there was no boxing ring, but inmates were all gathered around in a circle. And then, uh, you know, two of us were put inside the circle and given some gloves and, and to go at it. And this was no play game because the one that won still stood while the other guy got knocked down, got extra food. So he uh, put me in, you know, as uh, some of the little guys the same size, and, and I always ended up still standing. The commander got a little frustrated, and he put me in with, uh, well, I guess I must have been in the lightweight category or the flyweight category, whatever. <laughs> anyway, put me up higher and higher, and finally got to the middleweight one, you know, and I could knock the middleweight guy down, and he could knock me down. So the commander got really upset, and so he stepped into the ring. Now, can you imagine a strapping Gestapo guy stepping into the ring with this skinny teenager? I'll let you imagine what happened to this little skinny teenager. Man, I was beaten to a pulp. 
bloody eyes, bloody face, and, and I could barely open my eyes and looked at those black boots straddled over me. Hmm. And the, the thoughts that came to my mind was, uh, well, you may kill this body, but can't kill my spirit. I am still an American. I am still an American. Still an American. If Joe Lewis had known this young white teenager uh, trying to defend his homeland and, and the black American world champion, he would have been proud of you. I'm <laughs> uh, still an American. Hey, man, no way. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, Amen. Tell us about the escapes that you were blessed with. Yeah, well, we were being transferred from Königswisterhausen near Berlin to Leipzig, which was uh, one of the main labor camps. We were put on a train, and we were taken to uh, Leipzig. And as we were approaching the gate, all of a sudden, I think the Lord reached down and picked me up and took me out and put me way out in the field. And all of a sudden, I didn't know where I was. And I looked around, and there in the distance were the guards and the barbed wire and all that. And, and I looked around. There was nobody around me. I was way out in the farm field. Let me stop here for a moment. Our listeners uh, need to know that the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God that parted the Red Sea, still works miracles today. I'm thinking about the Bible story of Philip. He was picked up and placed somewhere else where God wanted him. Oh, yeah. He baptized a eunuch right outside of Jerusalem, and then as soon as he baptized him, yeah, the Bible says he was picked up and planted in another city. So uh, it was similar. Right. Absolutely. And so I took off from my grandparents. It wasn't too far away, two, three days walk, and I was able to do it. My grandparents were so surprised to see me. Where have you been? Oh, you look so thin. You look so little and oh, whatever. Oh, come have some food. You look hungry. Got a good farm meal and went to bed grateful to be safe. Well, the next morning uh, for breakfast, uh, my grandfather talked to me and uh, he said, Son, I think you're going to have to turn yourself in because if they find out that I'm harboring a fugitive, they are going to uh, take me and kill me and take away the farm. Turn yourself in, which I did. Of course, I was put into the next uh, slave labor camp, which was down near Nuremberg. If you can't wait to hear part two of my phone interview with Dr. Blanco, you may want to check out the whole story in his book entitled Jack, an Incredible Life by Jolena Taylor King. Again, the book title is Jack, an Incredible Life. You may also want to purchase his powerful and easy-reading devotional paraphrase of the entire Bible called The Clear Word. In closing, Dr. Henderson, would you read from the Clear Word paraphrase, Jeremiah 29, verses 11 through 13? Yes, I already know the plans I have for you. I will help you, not hurt you. I will give you a future and a hope. You will call on me, and I will answer. You will talk to me, and I will listen. You will seek me and find me as you search for me with all your heart. 
What an incredible story Dr. Blanco has, and I'm so glad that he's able to share it on this forum with with Pastor Schomburg and, and Dr. Henderson. And I'm glad that we're able to pull it out of the archives and let you hear it as well. So next week, we have part two of his incredible story. Here is just a quick preview of that conversation. As I got here, my grandfather's farm, the village there, American tanks were pushing in. I was uh, making my way through some uh, woods. It was in at night, and all of a sudden I hear the word, Hulf! That will be right here on Stories of Faith and Hope. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss next episode as well as the ones following. Um, You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. You can go to our website, faithandhoperadio.com, and you can get links to all of those there, as well as find us on Facebook at Faith and Hope Radio. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Music, as always, was provided through the Creative Commons license by Dexter Britton. Talk to you next week, and until then, have faith and hope.